Hi, this is Kaylin Saucedo, a.k.a. Mars Girl of Mars Girl Productions, and you're listening to Nerd to the Third Power. Hi, buddy, and welcome to Nerd of the Third Power, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy and awesome. I'm your host and master of ceremonies, Dr. Gonzo. With me, as always, in this epic quest of awesomeness is our resident anime goddess, the one, the only, the beautiful, the cat. Cat, how you doing? I could stand to be flattered more. Not things that I could say in polite company, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, nothing I wouldn't tell you over. <laughs> uh, okay. And in our other co-pilot's chair is our resident English person and tabletop nerd, Skyblaze. Skyblaze, what's up? The ceiling, the sky, the star. Oh, you didn't. That wasn't what you meant. Never mind. Well, life is all right at the moment, apart from my PC currently being in bits. How many bits would you say it is? It's, it's, oh, I say what you did there. <laughs> Enough to buy a shave and a haircut? Two pence. <laughs> Slow clap. And over at our correspondence table, we have our comic book guy, Multiverse Brian, and our movie guy, Projectionist John. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic. See, I can talk when I'm asked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing all right as soon as I'm done trying to cough up all of my organs. I mean, I need a few of them. Well, you could always just shove them back in. Yeah, but that's getting into Zim territory, and I can't afford another plagiarism lawsuit. Such plentiful yeah, John, I've already, I've already had to come over there once with the Book of the Dead. I don't want to have to do it again. I know, I know. It's kind of a long trip for you two. Yeah, I know, right? Not really, because we're all in the same studio. Yeah. Three feet away. It's just a really, really big studio. <laughs> Skyblaze's portion is literally in England. It crosses the uh, the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean. <laughs> this is what happens when I use spare TARDIS paint on the studio wall. <laughs> and uh, with that, it is a new year, and so a new season of Nerd of the Third Power. So for all of our new listeners, you're going to have to wait a bit before we introduce ourselves, because we got to give our, our longtime fans what they want first, and what they want is Ask a Geek. And our first question here comes from Ryan, and it is for Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Brian is asking Brian, what do you think of the upcoming Secret Wars storyline, and do you think Marvel is going to let this reboot stick? I've been asked this so many times uh, since the news broke. It's been funny. Well, first off, for those of us who don't know what the hell's going on, give us a little bit of background. Marvel is going to release what's called Secret Wars this year, starting in April? Pretty soon. It might be April. It might be May. I have to check the dates again. But what it is, what they're telling everyone is that the Marvel Universe that you know, that you followed or whatever, is ending, and then you're going to have this new universe come in, replace, whatever. So a lot of people are saying, well, they're obviously rebooting the universe. During the time of Secret Wars, what they're also having is they're having a bunch of alternate realities show up. There's like an alternate reality of Civil War, an alternate reality of Planet Hulk. All different alternate realities are going to exist at the same time and fight because that's the whole point of Secret Wars. But I'm too cynical to say that this is in fact going to be a reboot of the universe. The reason I say that is because Marvel hates the idea of reboots. Redcons they love, but reboots not so much. So for them to suddenly change their idea or change their mindset, going, yes, we're now going to reboot everything. I was like, no, this something's fishy. Something's not right about this. You guys don't normally do this. So I think what's going to happen is they're just going to sort of pick and choose certain things 
And then Marvel Universe Comics is probably going to look more like Marvel Universe movies than any sort of huge reboot. So, you know, you have uh, Samuel L. Jackson as uh, Fury. You'll see less of the X-Men and Fantastic Four because they're still with 20th Century Fox. You might see a good amount more Spider-Man, depending on that deal of Spider-Man and Sony and Marvel's actually gone through or not, or that's still just a rumor. But that's what I sort of feel. It's going to be a softer reboot where it's, here, here's our really good ideas. They shall continue forward. And all the stuff that we didn't really like or didn't really work, well, that's going to fall off to the wayside. So and a lot of people might think, like, okay, maybe Spider-Man will be married again and things like that. But I don't, see, I don't know. Until I actually get the series in my hand, I don't know exactly what they're doing. I just know that they're being very vague about everything, so people get kind of riled up going, rah, 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 no, 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 uh, we don't want a reboot. And then when it happens, everyone's going to buy the issues anyway. It's funny you should bring up the the movie side of things because there's actually been a lot of scuttlebutt about this event on the movie side as well because the general consensus is that they're trying to streamline things more to be in line with, or maybe not in line with, but closer to the Marvel Cinematic Universe because they want people to be able to jump from one to the other more easily. Correct me if I'm wrong, I heard that they're also canceling the Ultimates uh, line of comics around the same time. Yeah, the Ultimate line is officially coming to an end. Sadly, this is several years after a lot of people thought it should have come to an end. Because the only character that's actually still really good and relevant is Miles Mm -hmm. from the Ultimate Universe. Which he's going to show up in the main universe. I already heard people saying like, is Miles going to go away? They're like, no, fuck no, that guy's awesome, he's staying. (laughs) This is pure rumor and speculation, but based on what I've read, there is a possibility that the Sony and Marvel deal may go ahead, but they may do it with Miles instead of Peter. That'd be cool. I'd see that. Works for me. I'd watch that. Yeah, it works for me too, because you know, two Peter parts. Parkers have been enough for me. Uh, yep. Next question is for me, and it is from Sarah, and she asks, Gonzo, as big a Five Nights at Freddy's fan as you are, what do you think of the rapid announcement of Five Nights at Freddy's 3? I gotta be honest, I'm kind of a little worried and excited at the same time. I'm excited because, hey, more Five Nights at Freddy's. That's a good thing, you know, it's an original property. It scares me legitimately, and hey, yeah, more. I'm worried because the thing about the the concept of Five Nights at Freddy's is as original and unusual as it is, it's very limited, and I honestly do not see how Scott Cawthon can expand it any further than he did. The direction that I think and that I hope and I pray he's taking with the third one, since he's narrowing it down apparently to just one animatronic, is that things are going to get more confrontational. The AI is going to be smarter and is going to react more to what you do as opposed to you just kind of as opposed to what you did in the first games, which is basically lie back and think of England as they came for you. So I'm hoping that there's going to be a little bit more interaction between you and the animatronic this time around. Otherwise, I'm really kind of worried about where this is going to go. And honestly, I'm hoping this is the last one. Rapid fire sequels just cheapens the property. I mean, look at Call of Duty used to be a big force now nobody really takes it seriously anymore at least for a while i mean he did them all in such rapid succession that he could wait a couple of years before he did any others i will say this for him to put out three games in the space of what six months that man's work ethic must be just like (laughs) i know i mean they're simple games but dang has he churned them out quickly it's not only that he's got them out quickly it's that they are surprisingly free of bugs for a game that is basically done by one guy and a couple of mates. No, it's just him. He does everything as I understand it. Okay, it's not what I heard, but you could be right. He might have roped someone in like, I need help. His clones, basically. <laughs> He's got clones somewhere. He does it with the help of his robot animal friends. 
And now we've gone to a creepy whole new level. Thanks. Hooray! <laughs> But it's the fact that they are so genuinely free of bugs. When you might think that there's AAA studios doing games that they've worked on for years. We're looking at you, Ubisoft and Assassin's Creed Unity. I was actually thinking of Sonic Boom, but I'm... Oh, God. Why would you think of Sonic Boom? I'll get into my <laughs> thoughts on Sonic Boom later in the show. Well, uh, uh, then you best get ready, because that's actually her other question. It's for you. It's, what do you think of Sonic Boom? <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Right. Okay. <laughs> She asked this question of, of both you and me, and I, because my answer will probably be shorter, I'm just going to say it now. There's dropping the ball, and then there's spiking it six feet into the ground. <laughs> now Skyblaze will give her, no doubt, calm, rational, reasonable response. Do you know how long that Big Red Button Studios has been working on this fucking thing? I do not. Nine months. Ten years. 2010. 2010. What? I am not kidding. This is the Duke Nukem Forever of Sonic games. Oh, yeah. Do you know how many people were working for Big Red Button Studios when this game started development? Nine. More than there are now? Eleven. Oh, I was close. You were close. <laughs> Congratulations. Have a cookie. By the time they finished development, they were somewhere in the region of 50. However, six months before release, a good 20 of them were... Let go. Well, I'm gonna do some quick math here. <laughs> that's, 11 that's 30 to 50. left. <laughs> that's that, that's basically left them with a net gain of 19 people. Yeah. <laughs> what? But now, as far as everybody can tell, according to the research that Sonic Stadium users have done, they are the first studio to use the Crisis Three. I think it's the Crisis Three engine. The yeah, Cry Engine Three. Yeah, on the Wii U. They are also the first people to use the CryEngine for a platform game. This is a studio that contains a grand total of two, as far as we can tell, known quantities in terms of programmers, two ex-Naughty Dog developers. Everybody else, nobody's ever heard of them. They had to modify from scratch the CryEngine so it would work for a platform game and so it would work on the Wii U. Interestingly enough, the pre-release demo that uh, was put out was actually not bad. Problem is, it was running on a Windows 7 PC, not on a Wii U. As far as everybody can tell, this is a fresh young studio who was bitten off way, way more than they could possibly chew. And it just ended up in a complete fucking disaster. And it really pisses me off considering how well they were doing with Sonic Colors and Sonic Generations, which were both awesome games. Seriously. And now they've just completely fucking binned it. Thanks a lot. But my question is, why were they using that engine? Because it looked gorgeous. If you go back and find the pre-release trailer for Sonic Boom and compare it to equivalent gameplay of the finished version, there is just no comparison. The pre-release looks gorgeous because it wasn't running on the hardware, it was running on a Windows 7 PC. Oh, that's tragic. The CryEngine does not run very well on the Wii U at all. It's a very high-end engine, John. Games built on it, there's been a running joke now for about 10 years. This is the computer that we use here in the lab. It can calculate the circumference of a black hole to within 10 millionth of a micron. Oh, that's awesome, but can it run Crisis? No, no it cannot. 
<laughs> yeah, Crisis is like the benchmark game you use to test a gaming rig. Yeah, and to give you an idea of how extreme it is, Crisis 1 came out in, I want to say, like, 2010. It's now 2015, and Crisis 1, I've built my own high-end machine, and playing Crisis 1 at ultra settings still causes it to chug a little bit. Damn. Yeah, this is a game that's five years old. Bloody hell. No, it was released in 2007. Really? Ooh. Oh, damn. Now everybody feels old. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, Sonic Boom. It did not go well. All right, that's all the Ask a Geek questions that we have for this week. Uh, for our new listeners, this is a segment that we do every week where, uh, obviously, we take our questions from the listeners, we read them on the air, and we answer them. You can send them to us through the email at billysmith at channelawesome.com. And, uh, yeah, so send in your questions. We'll read, maybe we'll read them out on the air. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, keep those questions coming. And ordinarily, this is where we would do our news headlines. But you know what? We're going to do something a little bit different here. For those of you who are listening on uh, That Guy with the Glasses, as you have for years and years and years, probably skip the next, like, 20 minutes or so. Uh, but for those of you who are finding us on YouTube or on our new home at uh, This Week in Geek, we're going to take the time to just introduce ourselves, tell you what to do here, and some other places that can find us. So I guess I'll go ahead and start. I am Dr. Gonzo, your host and master of ceremonies. It is by my will that this mighty beast lurches forward to devour your eardrums. By will alone, I set my mind in motion. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one thinking okay, that. Okay, good. We were all dooning it. <laughs> <laughs> I controls the podcast. I controls the universe. <laughs> I am also your video game correspondent. I'm also an amateur comedian. I'm also going to be doing a live streaming comedy performance slash AMA, which I'm calling Dr. Gonzo Raw and Bloody. Give me a chance to sort of let, you know, loosen my belt and explode and really talk about things that I don't really get to cover on the show very often. So uh, that's going to be coming later this month. More details on that as it emerges. Kat, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself since you've been here the longest aside from me. Right. I'm one of the co-founders of the show. Gonzo and I started the show together. I am your anime correspondent because I am an uber animator. I do a couple of other podcasts, so if my voice sounds kind of familiar, that means you either listen to Thespian Talk on rtgomer.com or you listen to What the Fuck with Josh Hadley on uh, 1201beyond.com. I also do some narrations for Josh for the 1201 Beyond show, so you may have heard my voice here and there. I do do some... Do do... <laughs> I'm four. Um, I, <laughs> I do some... Sorry, I can't even get going again. <laughs> I do lines for people every now and again. I've done some voice acting for Neon Harbor and for another anime, or a really awesome anime out there called Matchless Ride, you know. So, kind of an amateur voice actress, but, it, you know, it is what it is. So, yeah, that's me. Okay. Skyblaze, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Skyblaze. I'm the British person on the podcast, and I'm also the current tabletop correspondent. Previously, I did a lot of convention news, but discovered that mostly kept kind of saying a lot of the same things over and over again. So uh, I switched it over to talking about tabletop games because I am a role player. I have been playing tabletop dicey type games for <coughs> years now. <laughs> I'm sorry, you had a little bit of time in your throat there. <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah, true. Anyway, I'm also a video gamer and a nerd of pretty much every possible designation. I'm a big Sonic fan and a big Doctor Who fan. By nature and, of being British. <laughs> yeah, because it's the law. Thou shalt be a Doctor Who fan. I write fan fiction, so you can find me on fanfiction.net under the name Skyblaze if you particularly fancy. Uh, I'm also a DJ, and I have a DJ business called Project Genesis, which you can find on Facebook. 
and you can hire me if you're based in the UK to play anime, video game, and chipchip music. She also, if, if her voice and mine sounds familiar to our Twig listeners, because you probably listen to the other podcast that we do with Mike Dodd, Last Exit to Ponyville, the resident My Little Pony podcast, which airs on a sporadic basis. Skyblaze and I both also work a lot of conventions. It's true. If we have to miss an episode, it's either because we have just worked a convention and we're dead, or because we're at a convention and dying. Yep, I'm actually in the planning stages for one, which is in about two and a half weeks now. Let's just be totally honest, Skyblaze is the nerdiest person on this show. I'll agree, don't start this again. Are we starting with this again? (laughs) (laughs) We never stopped. You know what, I think we ought to. There's a joke that we have here on the show where we could all be watching a movie and we could see, like, a reference to it to, like, say, to the evil dead. Me and Brian and Kat and John will get the reference, and we will laugh. Ha 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 ha. And that'll be the end of it. Skyblaze will proceed to tell us that the reference that we're laughing at is itself a reference to another piece of media, the title of which is a reference to a book written by an author whose pen name is taken from a character from another book whose title is taken from the name of a sandwich that you can get at one particular deli at one particular corner in one particular neighborhood in the south of London. She will then tell us that said sandwich is delicious <laughs> and that we should really try one the next time we're at this one particular deli in this one particular neighborhood in this one particular corner in the south of London. Gonzo, 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 I have something very, very important to tell you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Brian did it better. <laughs> So Well, he is from Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas, not better in Texas. Speaking of Brian, Brian, why don't you speak up and introduce yourself? You've been quiet. Uh, yes, I'm still here. Um, my name is Multiverse Brian. I am the comic book correspondent. That is also Brian spelled with a Y, because that's the correct way. <laughs> Just go with it. He's fought <laughs> internet wars for less. <laughs> controversial right out the gate here. <laughs> When I talk about controversial, I actually got into an argument with Neil Adams about it. <laughs> True story. <laughs> what are you doing? How did you come to be on the show? Well, I came to be on the show because you guys were looking for, I believe, a comic book correspondent. Someone who dedicates most of their life to reading the good floppy pages. And I said, hey, I can do that. And I love listening to myself talk. So I became <laughs> the correspondent on this show. And I talk about anything comics. And I've sort of spread out into also TV comic book news because that's the in thing the last couple of years. Outside of the show, I actually do a couple other things. I have my own YouTube channel, of course, youtube.com slash user slash backclend, that is B-A-C-L-E-N-D. On there, I have a secondary podcast I call View from the Cheap Seats, which is my wrestling podcast, where I talk about basically anything about pro wrestling that sort of comes to my mind on a more bi-weekly basis at the moment. It's still starting out of a show. I've also dabbled in a couple of Let's Plays, nothing too big, mostly Lego games, because I'm also a Lego nut. Other than that, there's nothing a lot about me, as they're telling you, I do live in the great state of Texas. By law, I have to call it the great state of Texas, where I shall be visited by a cowboy. <laughs> you love to hear yourself talk, so that way you've been imitating Wolf Blitzer for the past ten minutes. Did I? I wasn't actually trying to intimidate anyone, but uh, if I come off as that, good. <laughs> Oh, is, is that a real person? Because I just thought that was a joke in Cats and Dogs. No, Wolf Blitzer is a guy on CNN. That's his actual name? Yes, yes Wolf Blitzer. Wow, America. Right. Because I genuinely for years just thought that it was a joke on the movie Cats and Dogs. Well, you also genuinely for years didn't know what Cheese Whiz was, so I guess we shouldn't be surprised. 
know, and I was quite happy in my ignorance. <laughs> Knowing is half the battle. Long-time listeners are now laughing their asses off. The, the, our new Twig listeners are going, what, what the hell's cheese whiz have to do with anything? Check the archives, guys. The guy who's imploring you to go back and listen to all 130-plus of our old episodes is Projections John, our movie guy, who will now expound upon his history with the show and what he does. Oh, if I must. Basically, as my name implies, I am the movie guy. I do our uh, movie reviews and our movie news, and I should say the superhero movie news most of all, because that seems to be most of the news that comes across my desk these days. But I'm also really big into horror movies, and I'll sometimes go on little tangents about those. Um, Sometimes. Long-time listeners may know that I have a mild appreciation for Dracula-related Mild appreciation? Is that what they're calling a sexual fetish nowadays? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 Gonzo. Come on. It's not that bad. You don't even want to know about my actual fetishes. Dude, your mic is a lot more sensitive than you think it is, and that's all I'm going to say. (laughs) I know what you get up to when we're recording. (laughs) Our Halloween episodes are just... (laughs) If we ever meet in person, I am never shaking your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Well, this just got even more weird than I was planning to make it. (laughs) Anyway, I joined the podcast at the same time as Brian did because uh, Gonzo put uh, out an open call for people to audition to fill in the movie and comic book roles. And my then significant other was the one who heard about it and said, hey, you should try for this thing. And I said, okay. And I tried for the thing and I didn't expect to get the thing, but I got the thing. And here I am doing the thing. Yay. So you're Zuli? Uh, yeah, more <laughs> Julie, do the thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is the cast of Nerd of the Third Power. Basically, we're just a geek news program. For those of you who listen to us on Twig, this is one of our new homes. We're kind of expanding out. We also have our own website that we are working on at the moment on getting it back up. And you're going to be able to find all of our content there as well, along with some extra stuff. Hope you like what you're hearing. We hope that you'll stick around. And if you're a longtime listener, thank you for sticking around, especially for those early years. Those of you who are just discovering us now, you're missing our awkward adolescent phase, which we kind of don't speak about, but proud of nothing. Nonetheless. So uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick music break. We come back. We're going to be talking about the shit that we missed in 2014 that we would have ordinarily talked about on the show, but kind of missed out on either because of scheduling conflicts or whatever. So stay tuned. We got a lot of fun stuff ahead.
And we are back. And uh, this, this is our first show of uh, 2015. Uh, as always, and you would like to greet the new year by going ass backwards while gazing at the previous year. Uh, if I may horribly steal a joke from Yahtzee and completely butcher it. So uh, for this week, we're going to talk about the shit that we missed in 2014 that we would ordinarily have talked about, but kind of missed out on. John, why don't we start with you? What's something that we missed out that you would have liked to have talked about last year? Well, goodness mercy me, there's actually quite a list of things. There were a lot of different bits of movie news that I never got around to, like the casting of Suicide Squad, which it turns out will have Harley Quinn and the Joker in it, and our new Joker is Jared Leto, or Leto, I've never been sure how to pronounce his last name. I would have talked quite a bit about that. I could have talked about this wonderful little Australian horror movie that came out that I just absolutely love that did not get a wide enough American release. It was called The Babadook. Some of you may have heard of it. Most of you probably haven't, but it's very good. Check it out when you get a chance. Or we could have talked about something more straight up relevant to the stuff we've talked about before and could have talked about the third Hobbit movie that came out in December. Ah, yes, <laughs> Battle of the Five Armies. Who got a chance to run out and see that? I oh, did. Yep. Yes. Give us a rundown. How was it? I loved the bits with Smaug at the beginning. I loved the confrontation between Sauron, the Ringwraiths, and uh, the White Council. And everything else I could have taken or left. I would like to call this movie Lego Ridiculous, because Legolas was ridiculous this whole fucking film. Yeah... 
first off, terrible joke on my end, and I apologize. But holy shit, I don't understand he wasn't really supposed to be there, but he was fucking everywhere, being so just ridiculous elfy. It's so, it was so distracting. Yeah, it kind of was. A lot of the action in the battles was kind of distractingly overall okay well actually no you want to talk about distracting characters let's talk about uh alfred yeah comedy relief unibrow golem worm tongue <laughs> i couldn't remember his name alfred yeah alfred okay what's his deal alfred just straight I, I, up he, he was given way too much screen time for yet another original character why do you have so much screen time when there's a shit ton of established characters that really deserve that for screen time. I really think that Alfred was Peter Jackson's little, oh, I'm gonna throw this character in, and then it got out of hand, and nobody had the guts to tell him that it was terrible. Yeah. I really think that's what happened. Because Peter Jackson- So you're saying Alfred was the Jar Jar? A little bit. I really think he was, because Peter Jackson in these films- I think did a lot more from the heart. Like, he did stuff that entertained him more so than was loyal to the books. And uh, I think that sort of bit him in the ass in this movie because, yeah, that character was fucking awful. It's sort of like, I love Luke Evans and I love Bard the Bowman and I love Luke Evans as Bard the Bowman. And it was insufferable to have this horrible character in every fucking scene with him. It was like, I just want Bard to be Bard. Can't I just have that? Skyblaze, your thoughts? I have two words. Billy Connolly. <laughs> ah, the song. This guy just turns up and he's like, he's riding a pig, he's incredibly Scottish, <laughs> and he invites the opposing army to sod off. Yeah. <laughs> yes! He has arrived! He wins! That was all I needed. The rest of the movie for this guy. This guy here. Can we... Can, can we get an alternate cut of the movie that just gives all of Alfred's scenes to him? You know, to Dane. Yes, I, I, <laughs> that would make so much more sense too. I'm, I'm calling this. I'm calling this now because we already have someone who's cut together all the MCU movies together into one coherent timeline. I'm calling it now. When, when the third Hobbit movie comes out on DVD and Blu-ray, within a week, there's going to be some crazy asshole who's going to edit together all three movies together so that it's actually coherent and follows the. As, follows the book as closely as it can with all the extraneous shit cut out. Oh, and dude, will, it's already happened. And I we didn't will even wait. For and we place. will canonize this man as a saint. The, it's it's already been done. He didn't even wait for the DVD release. Just, he was just waiting. Going, I just waited. Need the third film to come out. Oh, it's out now. All right, time to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, and therefore, am encouraged. I don't. I, I we're talking a little bit negative. It wasn't. I wouldn't say it was completely terrible of a film. Um, but I feel like it was definitely a like letdown uh, to compare to basically the Lord of the Rings or how we really how the Hobbit book really is. You know, there was just a lot of a lot of bells and whistles were added where they didn't need bells and whistles, and it got stretched out because man, we love money, and so it's just <laughs> it. I think it just wore on us. You know, the war of attrition, and we're like, we're, I can't, I can't handle this anymore. I'm done. You know, I was Are done you, halfway uh... through last movie. Are, are, are you saying that the studio has the dragon sickness? <laughs> they I, do! They they have, like, pure gold sickness. They just, they want to make more money. And you can kind of see it in the script, where it was originally going to be two films, mm -hmm. and uh, they ended up filming stuff and then going, oh shit, it's got to be three films, we have to start cutting it differently and writing it differently. 
And it just, it didn't work as three films, and I think the third movie kind of proves it. It destroyed the pacing, is what it did. It completely destroyed the pacing. Needless to say, like Brian said, we're being kind of negative. I really did enjoy the film, because I will never not like a Tolkien thing on screen when it's done by Peter Jackson. He can butcher it to pieces, and I'll still be really excited to see my characters on screen. See, I was I was ready to challenge that until you said done by Peter Jackson. I was like, oh, then you need to see the, the very first animated version of The Hobbit, even before <laughs> the Rankin-Bass one. Oh, see, oh, now that's, that's Don't think fair, that I haven't. Because I actually like the Rankin-Bass Hobbit. No, no, I'm talking about the one that came out before that. that. The really bad one that came out prior to that, yeah. Wait, wait, hang on a second. Okay. I thought it was Rankin-Bass Hobbit, then Ralph Bakshi, Lord of the Rings, which covered Fellowship and Two Towers, and then Rankin-Bass Return of the King. Am I missing one? Yeah, the one that came before the Rankin-Bass Hobbit. There was one before the Rankin-Bass Hobbit? There was, yeah. Look it up. Look it up. It's incredibly (laughs) awful. We're not going to... Before... we're not. We're not. We, you know what? We're not going to tell you anything about it, John. This is something that has to be experienced. Before I go to Google, is this going to be one of those things that's going to drain my will to live? Quite possibly. Well, if I well if I haven't done that to you already, then nothing's going to fucking do it. <laughs> Point. <laughs> Let's All right, just. I will Google it later. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of uh, of books that have been uh, dragged out past uh, past the number of films that are there due, let's talk about uh, Mockingjay Part One. Anybody get a chance to go out and see that? Oh, you know, I, did. I didn't. I, I had a chance, but um, uh, Rift Tracks was playing next door, and I said, mm, I'm going to go see Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> I know it was a hard choice. Uh, a friend of mine, though. <laughs> I'm just picturing you. <laughs> friend of, well, it was also on my I'm first I'm just date. picturing you. I'm just picturing you standing between those signs going like, hmm. Mm. Should I or shouldn't I? <laughs> But, um, I I, yeah. I saw it. I was probably the only one. So what well, you I know about? I know my well, my fr- my friend uh, came over here yesterday and he said he asked me if I seen it and he goes I I haven't. How is it? He goes he called it uh, was it just dialogue the movie for a while. I'm not sure if that means I'm not sure if that was a good or a bad thing because it didn't expand on it. But Kat, you said you saw it. I I did. Um, it it honestly it didn't end where I thought it was going to end and I was quite surprised. Uh, because it it ended on such a cliffhanger. Uh, I, I literally had girls in my theater going, What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, they were so upset that there was a cliffhanger. Like, you know it's going to be two parts. You know if you fucking read the book, you would know. <laughs> but, read um, a book, I, read a book, read a motherfucking <laughs> book. <laughs> it, it's, it's relatively slow-paced because, again, it's one one book into two movies. They did have some nice action in it. And there was a lot of good emotion, um, but I think if you don't know the book very well, then it's kind of probably boring. Because if you know the book, then you can see all the little things that they're setting up, and you know where it's going, and it's kind of nice to, to see all of these things before they come into fruition. But if you don't know it, then yeah, it's probably pretty boring. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. All right. You're not even going to wait for me to say anything? You're not even going to give me two seconds before you start thinking that we've all dropped off, Brian? Is that what's going on? You're an impatient motherfucker. Uh, Okay, sorry. I I thought I couldn't hear anyone for a while. Oh, oh, well, then I apologize for my outburst. Now who's the real monster? (laughs) Ask the bells, 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 bells of Girls, girls, you're all pretty. Please continue the show. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. That movie. That movie was playing in the cafe at, uh, at at school today, and that's one of my favorite Disney films. I like the cut without the gargoyles. Never seen it. <gasps> You've never seen The Hunchback of Notre Dame? That must be fair. No, I don't go to movies to be depressed unless I'm watching The Hunger Games. That must be fair. <laughs> well, to be fair, <laughs> there's always to be an fair, the Disney. To be fair, the Disney version does have a bit of a more upbeat ending than the uh, canonical Victor <laughs> Hugo version. Hi, <laughs> yep. People actually come out of it alive. <laughs> anyway. And anything would be more cheerful than the original version, so yeah. Okay, alright, anyway, putting putting the train back on the tracks. Okay. Alright, so that's The Hobbit, that's Mockingjay. What else did we uh, did we miss out on? Any any other big uh, developments that need to be commented upon? I don't, I, I don't know, because late year for, like, comic books is terrible. Like, because we have two holidays that comics sort of have to work their way around, so no one schedules anything, and then everyone goes on vacation, so I don't actually get any news until, like, now... Like, the Secret Wars news didn't break until, like, two weeks ago. So. Ooh, I, I know what we haven't commented on. The interview in the Sony hack. Oh, oh that's I true. Was thinking about mentioning that. So, John, as someone with insight into uh, the, the the film business, uh, we've seen we've seen the interview is, has been released. It's already, it's, it's already out on Netflix, uh, surprisingly. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you think this whole thing is going to affect how films are released in the future? Um, well, let, let, let me try to arrange my thoughts around this subject. Um, All right, everybody go grab a cup of coffee. He's going to be a while. <laughs> um, j- just to give a brief overview for anyone who was living under a rock for the past, like, three months or so. Um, Seth Rogen made this little movie called The Interview. Um, and it was a comedy that involves the assassination of the dictator of North Korea, Kim Jong-un. Uh, North Korea did not like this, uh, one bit. And a hack, which they claimed to have nothing to do with, uh, hit Sony, in which a ton of information and private emails and correspondence was released, uh, some of which did not paint certain employees and high-ranking members of the Sony uh, Sony Pictures in particularly a flattering light. And uh, there were also uh, threats made, very unsubtle threats uh, invoking 9-11 made against any movie theater that was going to show this movie. Uh, the theaters pulled it, Sony pulled it, and for a while, it looked like it wasn't going to get released, but then Sony decided to put it directly on video on demand. And so they did. And the end result of this entire thing is that it wound up making a whole lot more money excuse me, than it would have originally. And uh, they're gotten to, it, it exploded into a whole bunch of arguments about freedom of speech and terrorism centering around uh, what basically amounts to an idiot stoner comedy. So... <laughs> Ironically, it would not it would not be the first time. <laughs> so basically, uh, the way I see this is uh, it turned into an impromptu experiment for Sony Pictures to see whether they could still make money back on a movie that never that they sank a, that they sank money into and uh, expected to get a theatrical release from and didn't get a theatrical release from. It was basically, in a sense, uh, an unexpected dry run to see whether VOD could produce profits comparable to uh, theater profits. And it's difficult to gauge for certain because this movie surely would not have gotten 
as much attention were it not for the controversy and all the the people going you know free speech around this thing a whole bunch of people saw this movie uh just to spite north korea who normally would not have seen this movie well to Um, be fair it's 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 hard not to do anything in spite north korea in the process Um, i'm i'm pretty sure that were he aware of it kim jong-un would have been uh, uh, insulted by me wiping my ass this morning well to be fair um i absolutely have no comeback for that um (laughs) that's that's an archer moment i had something for this i swear yeah basically i uh you moving on anyway a whole bunch of people saw this movie who would not have seen it otherwise so the numbers are probably a little bit inflated for this but they do look kind of good And that could spell bad news for movie theaters, because movie theaters have had, uh, their attendance has been dropping for years and years now. Um, And 2014 was probably the worst year on record for movie attendance, uh, for theatrical attendance. And to be fair, this trend has basically been, uh, been going on for more decades than we've been alive. The absolute height, the golden age for theater attendance was during the Great Depression, when movies were cheap and people didn't have any other entertainment option available to them. Uh, but basically, in each decade since then, the numbers have dropped, have dwindled a little more and a little more as more cheap entertainment options became available. And here we are in the age of the internet and Netflix and Redbox and your video games and your 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 whatevers and theater attendance is at an all-time low and that trend is probably going to continue which means the prices are going to keep going up which means more movies are going to be released in more uh unnecessary 3d to drive those prices up a little bit higher and the higher prices are going to drive more and more people away so basically it's kind of a spiral so Movie companies and studios and distributors are going to be looking for alternate ways to get their movies out. So I think we may see more movies that come to VOD instead of theaters or that come to VOD first or something like that. We're going to see more experiments and alternative distribution models showing up. And whether that's going to be as successful as the interview was without the controversy around it, I really can't say. So... I'm just going to say that this is going to make and make for an interesting future for movies. Okay. What about you guys? What, 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 what thoughts or comments do you have on this whole debacle? Uh, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts, but I, there is one thing that actually kind of... There's a lot of things that the, the information that I read like offended me. But one thing that actually got me kind of mad, and this is going to sound stupid to everyone else uh, because of my business major background, is that they got a hold of the PowerPoint presentations for the films that they were releasing, like what they were doing, how they were supposed to market and things like that. And they were the worst made PowerPoint presentations I had ever seen (laughs) in my life. I was so upset. I'm like, how do you fuck that? I used to be in school. Who uses Comic Sans? (laughs) Not even that. Not even that. In in college, um, because when I was in college of business, you do a lot of presentations. So we sort of rely on PowerPoint. I was so good. I would freelance myself off to like other groups going, hey, you, you need your PowerPoint presentation done? I can get to it. Just give me the information. I'll make it look beautiful and everything for you. You know, that's all I did was make PowerPoint presentations for other people. And I would see these. I'm like, 
Holy shit, are you 12? How do you do this? <laughs> Never, ever, ever let it be said that being an executive at a movie studio requires you to have any skills whatsoever. <laughs> well, I guess on a related vein, when I heard about this whole thing, I'm a cybersecurity student, so my first thought was, oh, Sony's been hacked. Do you think they'll want my resume? <laughs> <laughs> as, as I was saying earlier before the show, um, some friends of mine who were in uh, related industries to cybersecurity um, have heard that quite a lot of Sony's security staff did get the boot after all of this became public, to the surprise of absolutely no one with half a brain. I was going to say, if heads hadn't rolled for that, that would have been a surprise. Mm. Well, yeah, the, the, I mean, the one they... that... The thing that got me about the entire thing was um, the section of information where it's like, why are we spending money on Adam Sandler again? <laughs> Someone yeah, please yeah, explain okay. this to me. <laughs> okay, I will I will say, I have conflicting feelings about those emails being leaked, because I, I kind of genuinely think, well, maybe we shouldn't be poking around in people's private emails, even if, uh, even if it, uh, if it is a corporation, but... That having been said, there were some kind of funny things in some of those emails, and that was one of them. I didn't read all of them, but I skimmed some of the headlines about them. Well, that get that that gets some discussion about ethics in the media and what gets reported, and you know, clickbait, fear mongering, yada yada yada. That we just don't have the time to go into here. So, but yeah, just. But this. And while the whole and while the whole thing's going on, the the people in Sony's games division are going, we're we're not the ones actually in trouble this time. Truly, it is a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Which is funny because we were just joking about how every time we try to talk about the Sony hack, I call it the PlayStation hack. And it's like any other day of the week I would be right, but not this time. <laughs> not this time. What I also find interesting is because because of this information, we might like Marvel might get Spider-Man back. Mm -hmm. Which because we we've, we've had that discussion on the show a couple times. I hear it every so often is that Sony kind of doesn't know what to do with the, the Spider-Man franchise. Um, they had talks, talks broke down, then this hack came out, and people were like, obviously confidence had, confidence had bottomed out on the franchise, unfortunately, so now we might get them back because of the hack, so it was this weird, weird silver lining, I guess, Yeah. that Sony sort of realized, going, we, we've screwed up, hey, you guys are being successful, we want to <laughs> talk again, <laughs> There was, uh, there was a few weeks ago, there was an executive, what they called a spider summit, that was a meeting of Sony executives, and all they were going to be talking about was the future of the Spider-Man franchise, because basically, the summit was supposed to determine, okay, can we still salvage this ourselves? Are we gonna have to go to Marvel and, like, split the money? And uh, I actually don't know what the results of that summit were yet. Uh, and it, conflicting uh, information keeps coming out over whether projects... If, what was that? We, if we're lucky, it was the shortest meeting ever, and they just said, fucking sell it to Marvel. We're, yeah. we're, <laughs> well, we're, they're not going to... They're not going to sell it to Marvel. What they're going to do is they're going to license it and split profits. But Marvel's we, position... Marvel's position officially is we're only doing this if you give us 100% creative control. Sony's like, we, we, we're very sorry we stole your toy. Would, would you like it back? It, it you, keeps, you, it, you broke his leg. His head's not, that's not the same head that we gave you. <laughs> Which is why Marvel might just say, fuck it, we're starting over with Miles Morales. Yeah. I could live with this, as I've said before. 
So could I. Because of how, because of just how much the Amazing Spider-Man movie pissed me off. Now, if we can just it, now, all we have to do, all we have to do, is wait a few more months for the Fantastic Four movie to bomb, and then almost everything will be back home. Well, and that, that's the only problem, though, is that because they'll get Fantastic Four, like, all right, and the X Men, no, it's doing great over here. God damn it! Yeah, pretty much. X Men, <laughs> X Men's a lost cause because Fox has handled X Men too well for Marvel to get that back, but. Fox has proven over and over again they have no idea what they're doing with Fantastic Four, so they're gonna get it back. <laughs> okay, so we got another like five minutes here before we have to close up shop. So uh, let's just go through the lightning round. Let's r- quick r- rattle off stuff that uh, we were really impressed with that we didn't really talk about. And uh, so uh, yeah, Skyblaze, we'll start with you. Kingdom Hearts 2.5 remix. Now is this is this the one where they're actually they're actually giving us um, the one where they're packing up packaging Kingdom Hearts 2 and Birth by Sleep and. Whatever the fuck that DS game was. That was Recoded, and it's just the cutscenes from Recoded, but the other two are complete games. Okay. And oh my god, Kingdom Hearts 2 looks so pretty. <laughs> uh, I can get I can get that picture on my PC and save myself about 40 bucks. Brian, what about you? So, something, that you something that we didn't talk about this, this year that really impressed you? Um, uh, comic industry as a whole is actually doing pretty well. This is actually the most profitable year in the last five years. Uh, believe it or not, um, uh, I like the fact that everyone is starting to expand outwards, and we're starting to see more than just a two-person, uh, t- a two-company landscape. Everyone's starting to realize, hey, there's Image, there's Boom, there's Valiant, and to be a suck-up, read more Valiant. Valiant's really good right now. Um, <laughs> they have some really good books out there. It's more superhero, just to let everyone know, but there's some really good stories going on. So I'm really impressed by that. That's something I really enjoyed last year. All right, Kat, really? what about you? Um, I don't think we talked about the Book of Life. Did you oh, talk about that at all? We did not. So I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. So it pretty. really, really good movie. I actually just picked it up on Blu-ray last week or whatever week it came out because it was really, really good. Um, just gorgeous visuals. It was really nice for um, a, a popular animated film to recognize uh, uh, Mexican culture. Uh-huh. Um, in, in a nice kind of valid way, mm-hmm. um, just and again, and not just tacos in the film. cartel. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, there was a lot of mustaches, which is kind of a stereotype, <laughs> but it was really well done. Um, gorgeous. Didn't really come off as a musical uh, when you look at the trailer, uh, but it kind of was a musical. Um, so it definitely took me by surprise. And again, gorgeous. I knew I knew it was gonna be worth watching when well first of all when I saw that Guillermo del Toro was involved. Uh, yeah. Secondly, <laughs> secondly when I saw his quote about what he was going for with the aesthetic of the movie, and he was like, "You ever see those uh, those art of various movie books, and you see the concept art, and you're like, why didn't the finished movie look as good as this?" And he's like, "I want to make a movie that looks as good as its art book does." <laughs> It, it really did. Like, I don't know what the concept art looked like, but I'm sure it looked exactly like that. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And, uh, John, I think, well, you've already given yours, I think. Well, so, no, uh, I, I sort of, I mean, I agreed with Cad on Book of Life, but mine is going to be this little Australian horror movie called The Babadook. Um... It did not get a very wide U.S. release, which is a crime. In October, the only freaking horror movie that my theater was playing, like straight-up horror movie, was Ouija. So instead of getting this movie about uh, 
about uh, a monster in the shadows and buried psychological trauma and grief uh, and this this really harrowing movie about a mother and her son. We didn't get that in the U.S. for Halloween because they had funny accents. Instead, we got a movie about haunted cardboard. So, you guys didn't get Annabelle? Uh, okay, oh, I forgot about Annabelle. I forgot about it. Okay, so we got haunted cardboard and haunted porcelain. Um... <laughs> I that just that shows you just how well Annabelle stuck in my mind, but uh, <laughs> but no, The Babadook is a brilliantly done movie. First time director uh, who also wrote it, and a woman very unusual for the horror genre. And I hope this is not the last trip she takes down the horror genre because she's phenomenal. Her name is Jennifer Kent, and she made this movie, uh, which is very harrowing, very well done, and has absolutely no CG CGI in it whatsoever. She insisted everything be done only with uh, techniques that existed, uh, that could have been done in camera or mechanical. She has a love of silent movies, which really endears her to my heart. So she borrows a lot of imagery from silent movies for this. And she wouldn't even use fil- she wouldn't even use filters or gels or digital filters for, for color correction over her cameras. She just insisted that everything on the set match the color scheme that she set out for this movie and drove her set decorator completely insane in the process. Because <laughs> she's like, everything, buy everything in these colors. And the set direct- decorator was just like, why? Please no. <laughs> Please no. My favorite quote in an interview with the director was that when she did outdoor scenes, she was pissed off because the grass was too green. <laughs> So it's a great movie. Coming out on Blu-ray and DVD in a couple of months. So grab it. It's worth it. Okay. All right. And, uh, well, everything that uh, I everything that I was really uh, was impressed with, I'm going to be talking about when we do the Golden Bacon Awards, which is our yearly awards show. So I don't really have anything much to add at this point. So that's really all the time that we have for Nerd of the Third Power this week. Uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in. And thank you to our new listeners. We hope you've enjoyed what you heard and that you'll stick around. And uh, we'll see you next week where we discuss the finale for Legend of Korra. And then the week after that, we do our recap of The Flash. And then uh, we take a break uh, for a week as we prepare for the Golden Bacon Awards, where we list basically all the the best and worst of 2014. So uh, thank you to everyone for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. As always, I'm Dr. Gonzo. I'm the cat. I'm Skyblaze. I'm Brian. And I'm John. All right, we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in. Taka, play us out.